0: Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. The Life and Adventures of Robinson Crusoe by Daniel Defoe Chapter 9 A Boat, Part 1 But first I was to prepare more land for I had now seed enough to sow above an acre of ground. Before I did this, I had a week's work, at least, to make me a spade, which, when it was done, was but a sorry one indeed, and very heavy, and required double labour to work with it. However, I got through that and sowed my seed in two large, flat pieces of ground, as near my house as I could find them to my mind, and fenced them in with a good hedge, the stakes of which were all cut of that wood which I had set before. And knew it would grow, so that in a year's time I knew I should have a quick or living hedge that would want but little repair. This work did not take me up less than three months because a great part of that time was the wet season when I could not go abroad within doors that is when it rained, and I could not go out. I found employment in the following occupations, always observing that all the while I was at work, I diverted myself with talking to my parent and teaching him to speak and I quickly taught him to know his own name, and at last to speak it out pretty loud. Paul, which was the first word I ever heard spoken in the island by any mouth but my own. This, therefore, was not my work, but an assistance to my work, for now, as I said, I had a great employment upon my hands, as follows. I had long studied to make, by some means or other, some earthen vessels, which, indeed, I wanted sorely, but knew not where to come at them. However, considering the heat of the climate, I did not doubt, but if I could find out any clay, I might make some pots that might, being dried in the sun, be hard enough and strong enough to bear handling, and to hold anything that was dry, and required to be kept so. And as this was necessary in the preparing corn, meal, etc., which was the thing I was doing, I resolved to make some as large as I could and fit only to stand like jars, to hold what should be put into them. It would make the reader pity me, or rather laugh at me, to tell how many awkward ways I took to raise this paste, what odd, misshapen, ugly things I made. How many of them fell in, and how many fell out, the clay not being stiff enough to bear its own weight, how many cracked by the overviolent heat of the sun, being set out too hastily. And how many fell in pieces with only removing, as well before as after they were dried. And, in a word, how after having labored hard to find the clay, to dig it, to temper it, to bring it home, and work it, I could not make above two large earthen ugly things, I cannot call them jars, in about two months' labor. However, as the sun baked these two very dry and hard, I lifted them very gently up, and set them down again in two great wicker baskets, which I had made on purpose for them, that they might not break. And, as between the pot and the basket there was a little room to spare, I stuffed it full of the rice and barley straw, and these two pots, being to stand always dry, I thought would hold my dry corn, and perhaps the meal, when the corn was bruised. Though I miscarried so much in my design for large pots, Yet I made several smaller things with better success, such as little round pots, flat dishes, pitchers and pipkins, and any things my hand turned to, and the heat of the sun baked them quite hard. But all this would not answer my end, which was to get an earthen pot to hold what was liquid and bear the fire, which none of these could do. It happened after some time, making a pretty large fire for cooking my meat, when I went to put it out after I had done with it. I found a broken piece of one of my earthenware vessels in the fire, burnt as hard as a stone, and red as a tile. I was agreeably surprised to see it, and said to myself that certainly they might be made to burn whole, if they would burn broken. This set me to study how to order my fire so as to make it burn some pots. I had no notion of a kiln, such as the potters burn in, or of glazing them with lead, though I had some lead to do it with. But I placed three large pipkins and two or three pots in a pile, one upon another, and placed my firewood all round it, with a great heap of embers under them. I plied the fire with fresh fuel round the outside and upon the top, till I saw the pots on the inside red-hot quite through, and observed that they did not crack at all. When I saw them clear red, I let them stand in that heat about five or six hours, till I found one of them, though it did not crack, did melt or run. For the sand which was mixed with the clay melted by the violence of the heat, and would have run into glass if I had gone on. So I slacked my fire gradually, till the pots began to abate of the red color, and watching them all night, that I might not let the fire abate too fast. In the morning I had three very good, I will not say handsome, Pipkins, and two other earthen pots, as hard burnt as could be desired, and one of them perfectly glazed with the running of the sand. After this experiment, I need not say that I wanted no sort of earthenware for my use. But I must needs say, as to the shapes of them, they were very indifferent, as any one may suppose, when I had no way of making them but as the children make dirt pies, or as a woman would make pies that never learned to raise paste. No joy at a thing of so mean a nature was ever equal to mine, when I found I had made an earthen pot that would bear the fire, and I had hardly patience to stay till they were cold before I set one on the fire again with some water in it to boil me some meat, which it did admirably well. And with a piece of kid I had some very good broth, though I wanted oatmeal, and several other ingredients requisite, to make it as good as I would have had it been. My next concern was to get me a stone mortar to stamp or beat some corn in, for as to the mill, there was no thought of arriving at that perfection of art with one pair of hands. To supply this want, I was at a great loss. For, of all the trades in the world, I was as perfectly unqualified for a stone-cutter as for any whatever. Neither had I any tools to go about it with. I spent many a day to find out a great stone big enough to cut hollow, and make fit for a mortar, and could find none at all, except what was in the solid rock, and which I had no way to dig or cut out. Nor indeed were the rocks in the island of hardness sufficient, but were all of a sandy, crumbling stone which neither would bear the weight of a heavy pestle, nor would break the corn without filling it with sand. So, after a great deal of time lost in searching for a stone, I gave it over, and resolved to look out for a great block of hard wood, which I found, indeed, much easier. And getting one as big as I had strength to stir, I rounded it, and formed it on the outside with my axe and hatchet, and then, with the help of fire and infinite labor, made a hollow place in it, as the Indians in Brazil make their canoes. After this I made a great heavy pestle, or beater, of the wood called the ironwood, and this I prepared, and laid by, against I had my next crop of corn, which I proposed to myself to grind, or rather pound into meal to make bread. My next difficulty was to make a sieve, or sears, to dress my meal, and to part it from the bran and the husk, without which I did not see it possible I could have any bread. This was a most difficult thing even to think on, for, to be sure, I had nothing like the necessary thing to make it. I mean fine, thin canvas, or stuff to searce the meal through. And here I was at a full stop for many months, nor did I really know what to do. Linen I had none left but what was mere rags. I had goat's hair, but neither knew how to weave it or spin it, and had I known how, here were no tools to work it with. All the remedy that I found for this was, that at the last I did remember I had, among the seamen's clothes which were saved out of the ship, some neckcloths of calico or muslin, and with some pieces of these I made three small sieves proper enough for the work, and thus I made shift for some years. How I did afterwards, I shall show in its place. The baking part was the next thing to be considered, and how I should make bread when I came to have corn. For first, I had no yeast. As to that part, there was no supplying the want, so I did not concern myself much about it. But for an oven, I was indeed in great pain. At length I found out an experiment for that also, which was this. I made some earthen vessels very broad, but not deep, that is to say, about two feet diameter, and not above nine inches deep. These I burned in the fire, as I had done the other, and laid them by. And when I wanted to bake, I made a great fire upon my hearth, which I had paved with some square tiles of my own baking and burning also, but I should not call them square. When the firewood was burned pretty much into embers or live coals, I drew them forward upon this hearth, so as to cover it all over. And there I let them lie till the hearth was very hot. Then sweeping away all the embers, I set down my loaf or loaves, and whelming them down the earthen pot upon them, drew the embers all round the outside of the pot, to keep in and add to the heat. And thus, as well as in the best oven in the world, I baked my barley loaves, and became in little time a good pastry cook into the bargain, for I made myself several cakes and puddings of the rice. But I made no pies, neither had I anything to put into them, supposing I had, except the flesh either of fowls or goats. It need not be wondered at if all these things took me up most part of the third year of my abode here. For it is to be observed that in the intervals of these things I had my new harvest and husbandry to manage, for I reaped my corn in its season, and carried it home as well as I could, and laid it up in the ear, in my large baskets, till I had time to rub it out, for I had no floor to thrash it on, or instrument to thrash it with. And now, indeed, my stock of corn increasing, I really wanted to build my barns bigger. I wanted a place to lay it up in, for the increase of the corn now yielded me so much that I had of the barley about twenty bushels, and of the rice as much or more, insomuch that I now resolved to begin to use it freely, for my bread had been quite gone a great while. Also I resolved to see what quantity would be sufficient for me a whole year, and to sow but once a year. Upon the whole, I found that the forty bushels of barley and rice were much more than I could consume in a year, so I resolved to sow just the same quantity every year that I sowed the last, in hopes that such a quantity would fully provide me with bread, and so forth. All the while these things were doing, you may be sure my thoughts ran many times upon the prospect of land which I had seen from the other side of the island, and I was not without secret wishes that I were on shore there. Fancying that, seeing the mainland, and an inhabited country, I might find some way or other to convey myself further, and perhaps at last find some means of escape. But all this while I made no allowance for the dangers of such an undertaking, and how I might fall into the hands of savages, and perhaps such as I might have reason to think far worse than the lions and tigers of Africa, that if I once came in their power I should run a hazard of more than a thousand to one of being killed and perhaps of being eaten, for I had heard that the people of the Caribbean coast were cannibals, or man-eaters, and I knew by the latitude that I could not be far from that shore. Then, supposing they were not cannibals, yet they might kill me, as many Europeans who had fallen into their hands had been served, even when they had been ten or twenty together. Much more I, that was but one, and could make little or no defense. All these things, I say, which I ought to have considered well, and did come into my thoughts afterwards, yet gave me no apprehensions at first, and my head ran mightily upon the thought of getting over to the shore. Tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free, tis the gift to come down where we ought to be, and when we find ourselves in the place just right, t'will be in the valley of love and delight."